0: Good morning, and welcome back to Season 7 of Faith Fitness and French Toast. As always, I'm your host, Moses Allwood. I want to warmly welcome you back to the podcast. The purpose of this podcast is and always has been simple, to encourage, empower, and inspire athletes of all walks of life in their strength endeavors, faith walk, and of course, their best options for post-workout late-night meals. This afternoon, I'm joined by Micah Marino, CEO of Fight or Quit and owner of Fight or Quit Gym in Las Vegas. Micah has been a competitor, a coach, a meet director for over two decades in powerlifting. He's been here for a long time he's watched a lot of athletes come and go he's watched the development of the industry as a whole as we've slowly become more and more mainstream this is one of the things that we talk about from a broader perspective what does it look like for powerlifting to move into the future what does it look like for a sport like powerlifting to become mainstream as well as that we talk about humble beginnings from being homeless as a teenager to becoming an absolute powerhouse now in his 30s Guys, this was a fun episode. If you'd like to watch this on video, you're welcome to. It'll be on YouTube at Faith Fitness Podcast. But other than that, I won't hold you back. Let's sit back, relax, and dive in. Micah, what is going on, brother? Welcome to the show.
1: What is going on, man? I appreciate the invite for sure, my dude.
0: Yes, sir. It's been a long time coming. I've heard plenty of good things about you. It's good to to finally meet you. Uh, You know, I was just chatting with Hassan Matea uh, just a couple days ago. We were discussing a little bit about American Pro Two coming up here soon. Uh, And I know you know you've got Fire to Quit going. You've got thousands of programs with thousands of people on them. You've had a lot going on for a long time in the industry. Uh, But I wonder, for those that may not know about you, uh, just give a little bit of a brief intro, just as to who you are and why you do what you do.
1: Yeah, so my name is Micah Marino. Um on Instagram it's my name, Micah underscore Marino. Um been powerlifting, been in this industry for over 20 years. I'm 32. Um, I did my first meet in 07. Um power started powerlifting long before that. Um you know, fitness is in general always been like a part of my life, um, whether a sports um or just training in general Uh, my dad power lifted so it was just something i just fell into and i had to do it for all the sports you know as being a young kid playing you know sports being athletic we always had to work out and um you know long story short i fell in love with this this drug um this is the drug that i choose to be addicted to um which is in many ways and i'm sure we'll get into it that has saved my life um and in many ways, you know, and and we can get into that as as the the show goes on. Yeah.
0: So well, I I know, and and I a little bit of me following you over the last few years. Uh, I know you started lifting pretty early. Like you said, you've been in the field for the last two decades. You're only 32, so clearly you got started early. Uh, what was that those teen years like? I know they're pretty formative for you, um, and how has that kind of shaped where you're at now?
1: Um, so as far as like my teen years, I mean, growing up and going through like high school, I was a really competitive football player. So that was kind of like the only thing on my mind was to get to the next level. Um, and honestly just doing whatever it took, you know, I was young, I was dumb. And, um, at that time in my life, I did not care about basically anything other than playing, you know, college football or even further past that in the pros and that was, I was I was definitely good um for the next level um you know got on steroids at a young age and been on ever since you know um would I tell the next you know young football athlete to do that absolutely not but um you know it's, it's a mistake that I did as as a kid being you know 15 getting on steroids and at the same time it's been something that's allowed me to be in the position that I am. So I don't regret it, but I wouldn't tell anyone to, this is, if you want to be great, you got to be willing to do whatever it takes. In a sense, that's true, but I would never tell them, Hey, let's, let's get you, you know, and, and I, I co- and that's another reason why I coach is to, um, you know, get in these kids heads and let them know that, you know, this is a marathon and it's, it's not, you're not going to do it overnight. And, you know, that's the one thing, when I have younger athletes is I try to limit them to certain amount of meets per year. Cause I mean, I've done so many meets that, you know, getting burnt out is a real thing. You know, mm-hmm. um, the talent nowadays is just getting crazy. So I wanna see these athletes, you know, for longevity in them not get bored. So um, I'll get athletes and they're like, yeah, my coach is telling me to do every single meet. And I'm like, yeah, cause it's, that benefits them, especially if you're good, you know? Right. <laughs> I personally would rather you do one to two meets three if you're tested at at most, so. Yeah, well,
0: you know, this conversation on PEDs we'll jump into in a little bit because I I definitely, there's something that you've been more publicly honest about, and I I saw you post that video about a few months ago, um, just the ramifications of that and the reality of that. Of course, people who have been in fitness long enough recognize that that's a reality. Um, And to achieve a certain level, it's a necessary evil, Um, you know, but or especially you mentioned kind of longevity here. There are so many people who have just, even the last couple of years, these blow up, right? They come out of nowhere. And a lot of them are coming from high school athletics um, yeah. that I feel like historically it was just like, ah, these are just the meatheads over in the corner lifting weights. And now yeah. it's, oh, well, it's the football guys. It's the basketball guys. It's the track athletes. Yeah. What trajectory have you observed in the last couple of decades that you kind of see the sport moving towards as we see a lot of these athletes coming from other sports into weightlifting after they retire from their original sport.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, honestly, uh, the sport has changed in, in, so much over the last 20 years. I've seen it all, dude. You know, when I started powerlifting, bro, they didn't have a raw category. It was right. single ply or multiply. Like, that's yeah. that's what it was, you know. Um, that's kind of what put me on a little bit um, social media-wise is I broke some world records, and it was, like, that year of, like, raw was coming a thing. And I broke – one of eddie Cohn's world record um single ply i did it to 795 he you know always lifted raw but they only had a single ply category so it kind of like still is under that and i got a lot of heat for it because everyone's like oh you couldn't do that raw da, 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 whatever so like that's kind of how you know i started on in- instagram was a lot of haters and you know people just running their mouths and da, da, da. so then i was like all right well i'll come over and do some raw you know, the world records at the time were so little, like all I had to do was show up to break world records. And that's what I did. Um, You know, and then I got hurt, knee injuries, knee surgeries, double, you know, long story. Uh, But I think with these athletes, man, they're just getting crazy, crazy, crazy. And and it's because most of them are, they have a uh, a background in, in some type of sport before it was just that monster, you know, big, heavy, meathead you know um and now it's not like that you know guys are jacked guys are athletic guys can run jump you know play sports so they're gonna be better you know and not to mention that just the the knowledge you know the coaching's gotten so much better over the last uh uh, when i started coaching there was no coaches there was no online coaches that's why it was kind of easy for me to start doing that um because at the time like i i was one of the only coaches on Instagram, like, Hey, mm. I'm doing online coaching, like, you know, da, 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 selling coaching programs for dollars. And um, now it's, there's a million coaches, which is, is bad and good. You know, I mean, I don't really care what people will decide to do for their profession. Um, I, I never wanted to be like, Hey, you shouldn't be a coach. I, I think if that's what you want to do, you, there's a right way to do it, but it's, it's on the athletes to pick the, the right coach. You know what I mean? Like, I, if I would have never just started coaching, I'd never be where I'm at, you know? So mm-hmm. when you get online and you see all these people, they're like, Oh, so and so is coaching. He's done one meet. And it's like, well, you know, got have got to crawl before you can walk kind of thing, you know? So, mm-hmm. but as far as these athletes are just, they're just freaks, dude. And especially on the female side, like you're seeing numbers that are, it's the amount of 600 pounds squatters that are going to be at the American pro two for females is, is insane. Um, I mean, girls benching nearly 400 deadlifting, you know, over 600, you know, and multiple weight classes, um, is, is kind of scary. Um, and and awesome at the same time. I mean, dude, you go to a pro level meet or national level meet, these athletes are jacked now. They're not Mm -hmm. what you're typically used to back 10 years ago or 15 years ago. It's everyone's in good shape and, you know, they're running and they're doing other things. that's going to help them, um, the training's just gotten so much better. Um, mm-hmm. Like, it'd be cool to see, like, some of the old the OGs, how they would do it with today's, like, technology and, you know, supplements. Like, back then, we didn't know how to take drugs. We just took drugs. Like, right. you know what I mean? And even the guys before me, dude, like, I'm still 32. Like, the guys who are 70 or 60, you know, like, Ed Cohen and those guys, like, what, what did – they just kind of jumped in the ring and they didn't – you know, they just trained, you know? Mm-hmm. Alex got training programs. You got a coach for this. You got a nutrition coach. You got, you know, um, it's just so much different, man. And a lot of these kids don't know it. You know, that's, that's a, a huge problem in this sport is a lot of these kids are spoiled. Um, they're little brats. They think if they can't do it, they see the the guy deadlifted a thousand pounds, Danny Grisby, you know, I oh I, that's what I want to be. And it's like, dude, Danny Grisby has been doing this multiple, multiple years um you know and not to mention he's a freak his first yeah. meet he pulled he pulled 850 at his first meet so yeah. um you know not saying that like you can't do that but like there's 1% of Danny Grisby you know what i mean um, right. he's just an example of of who he is you know um but the sport's definitely growing in the right way the right direction for sure it's and that's one of the reasons why i host so many meets and the way i host meets um, because I know what it was like for me when I first started, especially on the local level, a lot of people don't give them enough attention. And you got to remember that those are the people that are supporting our brands or coaching, like how many pros are actually paying for their knee sleeves, their t-shirt, you know what I mean? Most of them are sponsored. So as much as I can get back to these local athletes, not saying that they're not good enough, but everyone wants to do, everyone wants to feel special. And that's a huge thing for my local meets or my smaller meets or or any of my meets. Like I try to make them as cool as possible and make that one lifter, whether it's their first meet or their world record holder, I'm going to make them feel as, as special as as I felt because I've competed in so many cool spots, you know, so many big meets. And um, so I think that that's just fair and that's just how it should be. I don't, I mean, to me, being a meat director and doing all these things is a business. Yeah. I obviously love making money because I'm I'm making money at what I'm, at what I love to do, you know? So, but for me, it's like, well, I can make money and make it awesome. You know, a lot of these mm-hmm. meat directors are just like, how fast can I get the meat over with? How little amount of money can I invest into the production or oh, it's a local meat, you know, like whatever, you know, um, for me, I'm always constantly trying to better the next meet. The last meet that I did, like, how do I get a tad bit better?
0: Yeah, there's a. I was actually I was chatting with this about someone else uh, recently. So I'm a state ref with USAPL, and you know, a lot of those local meets in general are just kind of backyards, right? They find a warehouse somewhere, and you got 20, 25 lifters on one platform, and it's kind of ratchet, right? And I've I've always commented that at least Virginia in the USAPL Sabre uh, does such a phenomenal job at creating production, you know, even on a novice level. Um, I was coaching in a novice meet last year and yeah, I mean, he's got smoke going up and he's got the megaphones, he's got announcers, like he wants it to feel for them the equivalencies if they're stepping on a pro stage, you know, because the thing about meets is nobody wants to go and watch a nine hour long meet when the person they're watching is there for six minutes on the stage, you know, yeah. and the rest of the time they're just sitting there like, all right, like, cool. Like snacks,
1: you know, like there's no, you know, there's yeah. no production value. Yeah. yeah I mean, powerlifting is definitely a boring sport, especially if you're not in it. Um, uh, a lot of people say that, um, you know, powerlifting is not a spectator friendly sport, which it's technically not, but, um, as being a meat director, it's our jobs to figure out ways to make it entertaining, you know, um like l- little things like uh in between the breaks of just moving the mono lift off and putting the combo rack on for bench i'm grabbing little kids out of the crowd and making them throw t-shirts out getting and that's one of the things that a lot of the lifters say when you come to one of our meets like the the hype is is on a whole nother level like literally we have athletes that have told us like i won't do your meet again because it's just too like it's too hype like it's too much mm-hmm. pressure and that's fine i think um a lot of powerlifters and and i i love powerlifters so like i would never you know i mean a lot of powerlifters are just a little bit you know soft right now and 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 pressure should be applied to you you know like how we we are we are athletes you know um but a lot of us look as it as we're just powerlifters and it's a hobby which in reality it, it is a hobby but it's a it's a hobby that you know most of us live by you know like I eat, sleep and power lift, you know, that's, that's my life for my whole life. And it saved me from going down different roads. So applying pressure, you know, like say, for example, the American pro, like doing the red carpet, you know, doing things where you have the camera in your face. Like some of these lifters are like, dude, that's too much. Like it's, it's stressful. And it's like, well, tell that to Floyd Mayweather, tell that to, you know, a lot of people want to see powerlifting on ESPN or on the pro level. And it's like, well, as an athlete myself, we have to, I mean, the American pro you saw the production, you saw what it was, you know, you saw what Sabre's doing for the USAPL. We're bringing production that is pro level status, you know? Um, And it's not all athletes, obviously some of these guys love it. I get, you know, I have a lot of, I know a lot of people on the pro level and um, they, they just love it. You know, the cameras in their face and, that's why you're you know, some of these numbers are getting crazy. Um, jumbotrons, you know, for the, for the American pro. And, um, you know, that's what I try to create on the local level as well is, is a little bit of pressure. And um, because at the end of the day, that could push you to do a little bit better, you know, then, then, holy crap. Like I hit a, did it a PR, I, you know, like sometimes when it's a national record, I ask the whole crowd to stand up. You know what I mean? Like, let's, it's not that I want to, Try to put pressure on you, but I want you to feel special. I want you to get hyped. I guess it's powerlifting, dude. This isn't like golf or you know, chess where it's got to be quiet. And that's honestly what you get at a lot of these meets, dude. Like I've been to some meets, and uh, you know, since I've started, and that's one thing that I make sure to do is out of all the meets I've been through, I think of what is the stuff I hate. I ask athletes what do they hate and what do they love, and I try to apply that for my events to make it. Like, well, if 10 people hate this, why would I, why would I do it? You know?
0: Yeah. I uh, it had a competition out in Salt Lake City a couple years ago and the uh, microphones and the speakers cut out during deadlifts. So the music was dead, right? So in, in my head, I'm like, okay, well then if we have an announcer, if we have a crowd, there's energy that can come out of this false. Just, just not what happened. So I remember going out for my final deadlift and it was a PR and I, um, I'm warming up. I'm, I'm in the zone and my guy hits me as hard as he physically could in the back. They're all screaming. My whole team is going wild and it's just silent. Like, I mean, the venue is silent and like, I still hit the I lift see. and I was like, great. But outside of yeah. that, it's just brutal. You farted, everyone would hear it. Exactly. And that's just not what you want. <laughs> that's no, like I as mean, a competitor you can't
1: no i mean in, in, in any in any uh intense level sport i and, and i get it powerlifting is very technical and you have to be trust me like um i know that but um you know it, it, you need to be like like fighting like uh, you know what i mean like that's to me what powerlifting is and um everyone has a different way of how they get hyped but when you can bringing the crowd involved, you know, like I've been to some national level meets and I'm like, why is homie sitting in the front row on his phone? And you got national, like mm. as a meet director, I see that I'm walking up to you and I'm like putting the mic in your face as a spectator. I'm like, yo, who are you here to see? Da, da, da. Like, you know, i do stupid stuff. Like, uh, Hey, on three power, like one, like let's, we love powerlifting. Like one, two, three, we love powerlifting. Like, that's, you know, I mean, dude, you're sitting there all day, so it's going to get boring no matter how many people you're there to watch or how much you love powerlifting, you know, and then you have people that think, well, why don't we just make the meat shorter? I'm not showing up to a 20 lifter meet. I don't care. Like, I'll, I'll just watch it on the free live stream, you know, um, so, you know, you have to figure out ways as meat directors. Well, if we make the meat shorter, but it's really, really good lifters, I'm still not going to travel for that meet. Uh, you know i'd rather do it for a weekend event where there's three days or two days and you have so many good lifters and it's a ch- as being like someone who's been on those kind of stages but also like someone who sees how great these powerlifters lifters are like i would rather take a whole weekend you know and make them fun you know now i'm not saying like 12 hour meets you know are fun um you know 10 hour meets eight hour meets aren't even fun you know so you have to find figure. Then that's what we're trying to do for the American Pro. We're gonna test out sessions, more AM session, PM session. And in between, we're gonna have something cool. Like, I don't know, a rapper come rap, or you know, uh, a deadlift seminar by freaking da da, da da or something that's gonna create people to be like, I wanna stay here. You know, at the American Pro last year, the sleeve day, we the venue held um, I don't know, we sold over nine hundred and fifty spectator tickets in one day which is like insane for powerlifting. Like for a one platform, 45 lifters, like you're not seeing that anywhere. Um, For one platform, one day, you know, uh, over a thousand people. But I promise that it was a long day because uh, we had some technical, you know, it was our first time doing such a big meet. Um, And there was more people at the end than the start. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that, that tells you like, Obviously the lifters brought the people there, but we, we kept the hype all day. You know, some people were like, I'm going to leave. Like even during bench, bro, we had, you know, 15,000 people on the live stream, you know? So, wow. and we, and we do, we did, we did, Um, uh, a one digital did uh, 85,000 viewers that weekend. Like wow. that's, and that's powerlifting. Like we're not seeing those numbers, dude. Like we, we plan to break over a hundred thousand viewers um and we have a free live stream and it's an amazing live stream too so those are things that we're trying to like people are like why don't you charge and you could make so much money off the live stream yeah we could probably make 50 grand pocketed off a live stream but that's not going to get us the viewership that eventually in the next 5 years is ESPN or our sports center calling us because we only had 10,000 views but we made 50 grand you know versus 80,000 100,000 and hey who knows, bro? Like I've seen weirder stuff happen with things blow up overnight and it's like, hey, Pepsi, yeah, our best buy. Hey, we wanna Modelo, we wanna come down and sponsor power. You know what I mean? Like, I've seen weirder stuff happen. You know, I mean, look how many power are getting featured on ESPN Sports Center. You know, shoot, we had um we had ESPN and Guinness World Record at the American Pro for um Tamara Walcott, um, mm-hmm. that is, she's been on Ellen, she's been on mm-hmm. Coming, um, uh, uh, Good Morning America. She's, you know, she's kind of blowing up and she's a power lifter, so it's great for the sport. You know, that's yeah. what that's our end goal is not what we could do right now. I mean, how many big pro level meets you see come and go, right? <laughs> yeah. Because it's it costs so much money to host these meets. Dude, we were we were in 75 grand wow. just to host the meet, you know, wow. um. But somehow we managed to actually profit after all that, after paying out um, 25, I think it was 25,000. I mean, we did special things. We did VIP tables where you and six of your homies get to sit at a table by yourself, you know, um, instead of those little awkward chairs where, you know, Mm -hmm. that break in the middle of the meet and stuff like that. Like we, we did, we did VIP tables, press conference, after parties, things that are trying to, I mean, we're talking about a pro level meet. So how do we, how do we give that pro feeling, you know? Yeah.
0: Well, it's gotta be a little bit of a surreal feeling for you as well to now be in the position of authority that you're in, in the sport. You know, what is it like for you individually just to witness the growth that's taking place even under your own watch?
1: Yeah. Um. Honestly, bro, like for me, man, Um. this is like things that I just like fact, like call me a little cocky, but If I, I mean, I love this sport so much that I will am willing to do and risk whatever it takes. And I'm, I'm doing well at it and having a lifestyle that I can do what I want and, and be in the gym all day. And, you know, it's, there's nothing, there's not a better feeling. I I wake up every morning and I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm living the life that I wanted to live, um, And it's kind of like, I never call it work. I'm on the phone with my dad every morning and he's like, hey, where are you going? I'm like headed into the gym. You know, I've never been like, hey, this is work, you know. Uh, And that's, to me, what makes what we're doing so good and fun is because we actually love it. You know, like people who say that they're not making money as meat directors, I I don't buy that. um, Because, dude, we can all do simple math. Like what's 125 plus 60? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, for, uh, uh, coaching passes or $30, you know, spec you know, so, and then you get to the meet and you're like, bro, there's a, a banner, the size of, uh, a freaking towel, beach towel, like, you know, but I, I do give props when, when it's given a lot of meet directors are stepping up for sure. Um, and I think it's awesome for the sport. Like there's so much like bad blood between federations and dude, I have USAPL lifters and WRPF USPA lifters. I don't care about a federation and I'm I work for the WRPF and I do not care. Like um do I disagree with some of what some federations are doing? Yeah, but I don't, I don't own them. So I, I buy I by the rules and um do what I think I can do for the WRPF to make it cool and fun. And, you know, a little bit of swag. And, you know, if you look at like the sports ages, it's, it's, it's young, it's younger crowds. We gotta be cool. We gotta have fun. Like, you know, you see too many meet directors, too many judges that are rude. And they're just like, they're at the, you know, why'd you get a red light? And, you know, like you're, I'm, this is my first meet. You're intimidating. You're making me never want to do powerlifting again, which Mm -hmm. makes it hard for all the federations. Because if I could get 20 new powerlifters at every single meet, we're growing the sport. You know what I mean? It's not just, it's not just growing um, the USAPL or the WRPF or the, the USPA. Like, I don't care, you know, compete where you want lifters are going to go where they're taken care of. And that's facts. You know, um, we're, I work for the smallest, one of the smaller federations, WRPF where we have 3,000, 4,000 members. We're climbing two years ago, we had 700. So we're climbing, but we're not in the twenties like USPA or, or USAPL. So if we can get lifters to show up at our meets, then what does that tell you? Like what a lot of these meet directors who are mad, like, Oh, I'm not selling all my meets. It's like, dude, you have 25,000 members and your federation how how are you how are you not doing it and then you look at their meets you know um and they're just boring you know and they're just trying to get a little bit of money and get through the day you know i'm not doing that i don't i don't care if my meet is 12 hours long i'd be upset because like the lifters but if that's like dude there's literally meets that i've hosted and i'm like hey you know we got to follow the rule with the the clock but if you guys need a little bit more time in the warm room let me know i want you guys to feel comfortable I need to put on ten minutes after the flight, so you guys, you know, guys who are have to warm up to seven hundred on squat, like, hey, do you guys need a little bit more time? Um, that's why the American Pro ran a little bit longer because we we're we are flying through the flights, and I said, hey, big guys, you guys want a little bit more time? Yeah, 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 please, 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 you know, because um, you've seen warm up rooms, dude, they get crazy back there. You got eighteen yeah. coaches, you know, this and that. So that to me, if I have to be there two extra hours. I love it, bro. I'm here all. You know, I want to be there. You know. Yeah. Um. So, it's it's to, to answer your question, it's it's a really cool feeling. But this is something that I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to start a brand. I've always wanted to uh, start a community. Um. So it's it's not even hard. I'm putting in a lot of hard work. But the work that I'm putting in isn't hard for me because I love it so much. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I dude, when we host meets, we destroy our gym. We put everything in a, in a U-Haul. The whole gym is just, let's have, have, you know, 6,000 square foot gym. Let's create it to where it's an awesome meet. You know, we turn the lights off. It's like a nightclub. It's, I mean, we're in Las Vegas. Spotlights, fog machines for a local meet. You know what I mean? For, for someone's first meet, this is what they get. You know, it, it's kind of funny because I get so many people emailing us or DMing me like, dude, I did your meat first and then I went and did da-da-da-da's meat and I got spoiled. I thought this is how all powerlifting is. I, you know, I wish it was, you know, but I, uh, the other meat directors are doing other cool things. You know, there's a lot of cool meat directors that I respect and, um, I, and I enjoy watching them, you know, and it's kind of cool seeing, oh, that dude just did that. I'm going to buy this because he did that and I like that idea. I'm not or I see so many people do stuff that I have or I've done or, or whatever. And I'm like, not mad about it. I'm like, here, here, dude, I don't patent this shit, you know? Um, so I, I, I want that for everyone. You know, if we all can be on the same level of what we're doing, we can't fail as a group, you know? Yeah.
0: Well, the reality of a united front goes a long way, you know, uh, even just in collegiate powerlifting. I mean, we've seen how, you know, uh, Collegiate Nationals has expanded, you know, in the last couple of years. When I started competing in college, it was tiny. It was still small. Uh Collegiate powerlifting wasn't really a thing. And so I remember when I first started promoting uh, my university's powerlifting team, everyone was like, well, why would we give you funding for that? And then now that I've graduated, the current club president's like, yeah, they flew us on a private jet to Collegiate Nationals and LSU. I'm like, yeah. that's wild. Like, that's awesome, you know, because yeah. – it's creating, and even more so, it's, it's a place where people who felt like they couldn't fit into some of the other mainstream sports have felt like they can actually find a home. You know, the right. people that weren't uh, the football star uh, or the, the number one point guard on their basketball team, they're like, hey, I've got big legs. I can probably squat something, you know, and, and that's create a platform for kids to feel like they can be welcomed. And I think that makes a world of difference.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, dude, there's – so I do press conferences at most of my meets. Um, not all of them because I want still my special meets to be my special meets, but usually, like, we host an all-girls meet called Bad Bitches Only. Um, the night before, we have all the girls show up. They dress up. They get in heels. I introduce them. They go down the red carpet, and then introduce every single athlete that shows up, like, whether you're world record holder girl or you're – this your first meet, and it's cool hearing – I mean, the amount of people that told, uh, told their stories about how powerlifting saved their life or, um, dude, like it, they get emotional, bro. Like you're, you're yeah. in these you're in these press conferences, like what better way to set the tempo for a meet when you're like, man, I, I used to be a heroin addict, which I, I have lost people that have been on heroin mm-hmm. family. My brother died at 18, you know, at, at 18 years old on heroin. So, um, finding mean heroin addicts that now are addicts That's why I say this is a drug because I am an addict. Um, and we all are addicts in a certain way. Um, but this is my drug. This is what saved my life. Um, you know, and that's why I always talk about it like, Oh, I'm on steroids. But this is the drug that I can control. I mm-hmm. can make sure I, I still have a great life. Um, I work with a lot of good people that are helping, you know, making sure I'm doing blood work and all the proper things that I need to do. So I can live the life that i want to live and be strong and um you know so but it's really cool hearing, hearing these people's stories you know you'll have moms that have lost their kids and a mm. 40 years old dude and they picked up a barbell they they saw a you know a fighter quit t-shirt um, which is why our, our logo is a claw it's not a lifter we're not a powerlifting brand we're a we're an all around this is this is what like I have a tattoo, uh, my brother got a tattoo when he was da- uh, 20 and I I, we, I didn't have this, we didn't have this brand picked up and it says like, um, basically like fight, 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 don't quit kind of on his arm. So like, that's just how we grew up. You know, I, I've been, I've been poor my whole life, you know, living on my own since I've been a kid, you know, having to work three jobs, play sports. So being a hustler and a grinder has always been what I have been and an athlete. So I just kept doing that until I got into a field where it's like, I'm actually good at this and I love this, you know, like, um, I love negotiating. I love arguing, you know, um, just something that, but at the end of the day, dude, seeing some of these lifters come up to me after meets is like, dude, it's, it's, it's so heartwarming and it makes me um if you knew me and met me and been around me you know i'm very selfish um but like i don't plan to compete at all next year well this year because i'm so busy with what we're dude we have almost a meet every month some meets two two meets in in one month usapl because we host usapl and wrpf like like this month we have one saturday and they have usapl one at the end of the month we have two in march we have two in may two in june or july that's a lot man I know. I know. So, I mean, between WRPF and USAPL, um, counting WRPF Nationals, um, uh, the American Pro and all the USAPL meets. And then we actually just got, um, you know, how USAPL is bringing regionals back. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you knew, know that. Um, but we got, uh, uh, um, I'm co-directing the regional on the South. Uh, I think it's Southwest. I'm not even sure, dude. Like I said, I'm not really good with that that, that nerdy stuff. You know, sure. <laughs> uh, sure. I've mean, been in a good position, but um, we're hosting it. We just got a hotel down here in Vegas. So that's going to be in August. I'm co-hosting it. So we're going to do like prime time. We're going to do VIP tables. Uh, basically going to bring a little bit of the American pro into the USAPL. Um, you know, after party, um, press conference the night before, prime time. VIP table seating. Um, so trying to dabble a little bit of that swag into the USAPL, which I'll be honest, USAPL's got some swag right now, bro. Like they, there's they're the Fed, like, and they've always been the Fed, but um, it, it, it's it's very noticeable who's running their media. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's kids, it's it's people who are cool, got some swag, you know. Like dude, they on their social media page, they got great, right, you know. Some you know some good music to in their reels and their their uh, their media team is is killing it. Um, I used to, dude. I mean, I've been popped in the USAPL so uh, twice actually. Um, not a fan, but I was young and dumb, and um, I just wanted to compete, and they were the only meets I could afford to go to. So whatever. Um, and uh, but uh, they're they're the most. I used to hate them just because they popped me right. So. But now man like i never thought i'd be like oh i'm gonna co-host the usapl meet i got a usapl sign. we're the only usapl gym in vegas so which is like so weird but also it's it's really cool um to just dabble into that that federation even though i would never do a usapl meet because i can't <laughs> but um it's definitely a, a very very unique and cool federation and i like what they're doing with the pro series. Um, not a fan of all the rules, but I'm not a fan of a lot of rules in life, you know, and that's okay. You know? Um, so it's awesome to be able to, to, to kind of help out both, um, and give back to these athletes. And I always say that word give back. And it's like, well, people be like, well, you're, you're making money. So I'm like, yeah, but I don't have to host these meets and make them fun. I could still host meets and it would sell, but the amount of money that we've spent and, um, lights, bugs, trust, and things that you, you know, TVs, like, you know, we're talking thousands of thousands of dollars, you know, every time you host a meet, you know, paying a DJ to come out is $500 a day, you know, these, these things add up, you know, but that's just the unique of what we're trying to do here, and um, just dabble some swag, man, like, that's what I keep telling people, like, you look at the old school powerlifters, man, it was, it was just angry, no swag, no, you know, like, Look at the top dogs in the USAPL, man. They're showing up to press conferences and you know to weigh-ins, and even mm-hmm. uh, you said you're from where? Where'd you grow up? You said I'm.
0: A, I'm. In, oh, I grew up in Dublin, but I'm in Virginia.
1: Okay, so you you're familiar with like the ABC series, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. dude? Like what they're doing right now is 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 awesome. You know, right now I, I think. Uh, I don't know if they do tested. Do they do tested, too, or is it just not? tested I don't think so. I think it's okay. just untested. Between the untested side, I think them and the American Pro uh, and what we're trying to do is no one's no one's touching us right now on the untested side. And we just added a tested day at the American Pro. And, you know, everyone was like, oh, it's it's right by USAPL Nats, which I get, you know. Um, but there's so many tested lifters that just – don't like a two hour way in nothing against the federation they just don't like the feder. they don't not i am sorry they it's not that they don't like the federation they just don't like a stiff bar or a two hour way in so bro we hosted uh when we went live for the american pro 2 we had a tested day sold out faster than the wrap day for non-tested way faster Mm. so Mm. uh and we had 60 lifters in like three hours tested you know um and we're trying to you know do our testing as good as, as, as we can, you know, we want to start testing a little bit more and a little random right now. We don't do any random testing just cause it's expensive and we're so small, you know, or well, adding a jury. We're at, we're adding a lot of cool things for the pro meet. Um, you know, so it's very exciting, dude. I mean, I could go on and on about what we're trying to do. Uh, but most of the time it's just like, just, just wait and see kind of thing. Um, And people know where to go, bro. Like I feel bad for some of these meat directors because their meats aren't selling out. But then again, it's like, you're your own problem. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like do something about it. Don't complain to the federation. Like I've never once asked anyone for help to help sell them. I mean, the amount of people that like hit me up for, uh, and they won't even be a part of the federation that I'm trying to grow, which that shows you, I don't, I don't care. I don't have any beef with anyone. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of people that I just think are Joe Schmoes, but I'm sure people think that about me as well. Um, and that's fine. I don't like, I don't really, I I, I say this, I, I didn't come here to make a bunch of friends, but luckily I have made a bunch of cool friends. Um, I came here when I started powerlifting. I wanted to be the best. So I did what it took to be the best. I was, I was at one point the best in my weight class and multiple weight classes, multiple world records. And, you know, which is why I had to go through knee surgeries because I did what I was basically raised to do and whatever it takes like to survive. And I want to be the best. And now I'm trying to do that with, uh, being a meat director. But for me, I don't want, I don't care to be the best. I just want to be better than what I was the last meet. And if that's the best, I'll run with it, you know? Yeah.
0: A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Well, we've touched on it uh, a little bit, at least as we've kind of talked untested, tested, uh, as we've kind of talked about steroid usage a little bit, I wonder if you could share um, just some some of the lessons that you think you've learned while watching kind of development of people getting more regular blood work done and learning how to not be quite as stupid when it comes to putting stuff in their bodies um, that though we would never condone the use of it, the reality of lifters being engaged in it. What are some of the things that you've learned that would be wise for people to be aware of?
1: Yeah, so So the one thing I always tell people when, when, Pod, we're on podcasts, and they always ask about uh, all this stuff. I always make sure to say that I'm not a doctor. You know, people always hit me up, and they're like, "Hey, what do you do?" And I'm like, "Bro, unless you're my client, like, I'm I will say this: like, for kids, people who are my my athletes, and they they're gonna get on them regardless, right? So how how can I be like, hey, you got these are the steps, right? You know, mm-hmm. you got kids 22, twenty two, twenty nine. I mean, dude, there's kids out there dead with the nine hundred. You know what I mean? You know um, who? All right. Well, I want to get a little bit stronger, so I'm ready to do the next step. You know. So, but I always tell people I'm not a doctor. I don't. I don't know. You know. But I, I can always give someone my experience of what I've done and how I've done it and my mistakes. And if I could help, if I had someone to help me, at 19, 16, 15, um, would I be dealing with all the shit I deal with? Which Healthy, I'm lucky and you know, I'm pretty healthy blood work wise. Um, and honestly, like some what I've learned is less is more. The less drugs I've took, the less drugs that I take, stronger than I get actually. And I could push my body a little bit more. The one thing we don't know is we get strong and we forget about our joints. And next thing you know, like they're not gonna get better with drugs. They're actually gonna get worse. That's just facts. You're moving more weight. You're able to push a little bit harder. Um,
0: like for me, honestly, I,
1: I have my non-tested lifters train less frequently than my tested lifters. I feel like as a tested lifter, you can get away with benching five days a week. Um, you know, yes, we recover faster, but we also grow faster. So the, the the risk of injury, you know, is, is way higher on the non-tested side, which is why you see so many injuries, bad injuries on the non-tested side. Quad tears, pec tears, like, don't really see that as often you you see some minor injuries as often on the tested side you know and that doesn't for me like people like well we just we're smarter and it's like well i've been to some tested meets and i hear some cues and i'm like what what did you just say but that's at any meet in general where i'm just like man like uh you're still saying a cue that was created in 1940 dog like come on bro (laughs) you know um and that that that's always a learning experience for me too is going to meets and seeing some of these athletes and i feel really bad for some of these lifters who who just they they'd rather be cheap and not hire a good coach and they'd be like yo homie from the gym Mm. and coach me cheap you know or but anyways back to steroids I, i think just um I mean, finding someone who who's been through it and, and just trying to talk about it. I think a lot of these people. I've had experience with with one of my athletes who's an amazing kid, great athlete, strong. But he's he reminds me of me, right? You know, do whatever it takes. I want to be, I want to be number one, right? So what 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 did you do? And I, you know, and he went behind my back and got on drugs, and I didn't even know. You know, and I had to like find out by how his training kind of started, like. Going down, he started losing weight, and I'm like, "Yo, what's going on, bro? Are you good?" And he's like, "Well, I've been on for the last, you know, four months." And I'm like, "Dude, I'm your coach. Like, why would you not tell me?" And I think a lot of the times these athletes are just scared. Mm-hmm. They he, he didn't want to let me down. He didn't. And I'm like, "Bro, where'd you get it? You know, oh, I got it from the bodybuilder at old Gym." I'm like, bro, like that's when it's like, I know I'm not a doctor and I'm not a thyroid coach, but that that could have been a moment where I would have been like, "Hey." What did you, you know, I, what were you taking? I mean, just taking stupid stuff. And I'm like, bro, oh, like you're 20. or Actually, he was 19. I'm like, yo, I could at least, because you were going to do it regardless. like so I could at least, we could have tried to do it on, on a proper way. And then just coming off, didn't, you know, he just came off and got hurt. You know, now he's smarter. So he's been with me for three years. Um, so it doesn't, you know, he never wanted to go back natty, which is, I'm no one's dad, bro. Like, you know what I mean? I'm not your parents. Uh, make your own decisions. I'll do my best to help you as, as much as I possibly can. I'm never going to encourage steroids for anyone. I would just say, wait, you know? Like, there's kids in here that are freaks, bro. We have kids that are 17, you know, delts at 700, and they want to, how can I get to 900? I'm like, you can, but just give it some time, man. Like, you're you're, you're that good, bro. Like, you're seven hundred at 700 at, at 17, like. You don't need steroids, you know, at least right now, you know, let your body, that's probably why I have so many issues, bro, is because as a young kid, I abused them. I loved them. Like, Oh, I can bench this. Like, I mean, I, I have knee injuries in high school playing football, you know, mm-hmm. taking a lot of steroids and not knowing, like, I didn't get my blood work until I was in my thirties, bro. Like besides like getting hurt and having to get knee surgery, I didn't do none of that, you know? So which well, why I'm a huge fan of Stan Efforting. You know, he's one of our good, close friends, and he's he's one of the guys that's like, hey, you need to do this. You need to do here's your here's your checklist. You know, let's let's make sure you're okay. You know, like these are drugs. You're putting in you're putting an oil, you're putting a pill into your body that's not supposed to be there. Like, they're serious, bro. And a lot of people don't think that. You know, um, for me, um, I it's the drug I'm always going to do, you know, regardless of, um, I mean, it's, it's brought me this far. I'm kind of a all in kind of dude. If I'm in, I'm in, you know, but I feel that I'm doing it better, smarter. Um, and sometimes bro, when I take more, I just get hurt, bro. Like I've had mm-hmm. double, I had double pack to errors and both to backs, knee surgeries, like more drugs. I might get a little bit stronger, but how long is that going to last, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, Well, one of the things I, I have appreciated about Stan in our conversations has been, you know, he, he's just he's a straight shooter. You know, he's been around a long time. He's dabbled in a lot of different things, and he's learned what there is to learn, you know, so that he can be a support, especially for the younger guys. Uh, and, of course, he, he's right there near you guys as well. So I'm glad that he's in your corner because that's someone that I think everyone should. I'm a, I'm a huge, huge Rhino fan. Um but you know, as we transition here towards the back end, you know, a couple of the things that I think have made at least this podcast unique um, has been the discussion of faith, kind of lifestyle walk, and the other of breakfast. I'm a big foodie. We'll get to that one last. Um, but th- this question of faith, right? I think, and I mentioned this you know, about 20 minutes ago, one of the things that I think has made powerlifting so unique, and just fitness in general, is it's in a place for everyone from every possible walk of life to find a home right? From people who are like, there's absolutely no deity in the world to people from Islam, Buddhism, Christianity, anything, to find somewhere that's familiar. You're lifting a barbell, right? And so for someone that is as prominent, has gone through as much, I wonder for you, you know, what role has your own personal faith just in the universe in general, or maybe in religion played into the way that you view your work your training in general?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll say this. I grew up, um, Going to, oh, I was in a, a school, excuse me, where we had to go to church all the time. You know, it, it was a regular thing, you know. Um, do I still do that now? I, I mean, I, I don't, you know, that doesn't mean I don't believe in something. Um, I know I believe in something, but for me, man, like the most thing, and This probably sounds stupid, but like, if I just put as much believe and faith into myself... Um, whether i do or don't believe in something or, or what you believe in or what she believes in i know that i believe in myself and I feel like my faith of just never giving up um, has got me to where I am so regardless of what I do believe in or what I don't believe in i think that being that person that just like puts all the belief in and like I'm very confident in myself I'm very people i mean I have F humble tatted on my forearm, bro. Like, but, and that doesn't mean like be cocky, but dude, there's so many people like, like I have athletes that I've forced to text me certain things every morning because they're too, they're too nice. Right. And you can't be that nice in this sport. You know what I mean? Like I I can read people. I know you don't believe, I'm not saying you, but I know you don't believe in yourself, bro. Like you're so strong and you don't believe in yourself. Like I have people that I make text me like, certain things like i want someone to create more confidence like i'm making them text me every morning like f everyone or i'm the best or and those are things that i i had to do as a kid is just i always failed bro i always everything i did i failed you know um and then it made me realize like am i just a failure or am i one of those people that is just i'm out here risking it you know um I'm rolling the dice on everything. And if I fail, like what's the worst that's going to happen? Lose a little bit of money, you know, um, but what I know I believe in is myself. And I've always put faith into who I love and what I love. And if that's you or the person or the thing, I'm going to give my all. Um, I, I believe in, I believe that love goes a very long way. And I think that, a lot of us think we love things until it's actually time to really buckle down. And I think that's when the softness comes in, you know, Um, like, man, there's been so many times in my life where I'm like, well, this sucks, you know, like losing family members, living in my car, you know um, just bad, bad things. People, you know, getting that phone call of who died next, who's in jail next, you know, especially being a kid of, of, always growing up fighting, getting whatever I wanted because I was in a big-time school. I was a good athlete, so I didn't have to do certain things because I was just an athlete. So it was it was easy for me kind of like growing up, being popular and being cool because I was good at something um, and I got what I wanted during school. But once I left school life, as, as being 14, as I left school, I, I didn't have that, dude. I didn't have, um, you know a family to run to. I had, you know, I live with my brothers and half the time I had to pay the rent or buy the groceries or at 15, 14 years old. Like I had to create, they created a own schedule for me for when I could go to school because I needed to work and then I needed to go to football. And then I had this and that. So like, just always just being like, Hey, that's why I always tell people like, you're never going to change. I will never change for someone. Um, this is who I've been, and this is what I believe in, and this is what has gotten me to where I am today. Am I the best? Do I make mistakes? absolutely bro um but I think those mistakes are what is gonna continue like i keep i wanna make mistakes I wanna fail um because one, if I just keep succeeding, like it just gets too i get too comfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, growing up, I was confused of what I believed in or. Just life in general, like, uh oh, why, why do these things happen? Why am I losing this person? You know, um, questions of, well, why him and not me? Or, and at the end of the day, it was just keep pushing, you know, keep, don't give up and um, don't, you don't have to rely on anyone. Just put all, all your faith and love into yourself. And I mean, look how big self care and love is nowadays, you know? But that's how I literally lived, and I, I saw that question when when I looked at it, and I was like, really thinking about it, and I'm like, what, what, what is a good answer for that? And that's the honest truth. Um, regardless of it seems like cocky or um, arrogant, it's the truth of of what I believe in, and I believe in what I'm doing, you know, and I love it. And um, am I right or wrong? I don't know. I guess I'll find out one day, you know? So that's kind of uh, answer to the answer question.
0: That's a good answer, man. I, I appreciate I appreciate the thought that went into that. Um, you know, it's one of, one of the things that I've enjoyed the most in the last few years, uh, whatever, 60-plus episodes, has been I've gotten 60 different answers, you know? And if I sat down with every single person on the face of this earth, I'm going to get 8 billion different answers, you know? Yeah. And I, it's amazing. It's I think, easy sometimes I... to just look at kind of a two-dimensional view of everyone, but to realize there's influences behind why
1: people do what they do yeah no i don't think that i don't think that that there that question i don't think there's a wrong or really a wrong Agreed. answer for it unless you're just a dick unless you're whatever. a dick yeah <laughs> um, no i mean I, I i read that question last night and i had to like actually think about it like because for me bro i don't like to think about a lot of things that's why when i when when we started this i'm like oh man i actually have questions like i'm usually like kind of like someone says something to me and i'm I don't process things. I've, and that's the difference between me and my fiance. She's a processor. Yeah. He does things a certain way. It, it has to be this way. I've never been that way. Like I'm going to attack, I'm going to either succeed or I'm going to fail. And then I'm going to keep going. Like that's, I'm also ADD. I'm dyslexic. So like, this is just my, this is my process of just keep going, if I fail that's back there. I'm going to keep going, bro. And, um, Yeah.
0: That's how it's been I hear you. Well, last big question here. Uh, This is the fan favorite is breakfast food, right? I'm a big foodie. I used to compete 308s. Uh, and so I had to eat a lot to stay that heavy. I obviously did not commit to that because I don't weigh anywhere near that anymore. But, uh, in the midst of that breakfast was always the go-to for me. So my question for you is this, any breakfast food that holds King over anything else, Fuck the macros. It's irrelevant. What's the food?
1: I'm not really a breakfast guy, bro. Um, honestly, bro, I'm a I'm a child, bro. I'm gonna be real with you, bro. Like people are like, oh, you want to go do this, that, sushi. I'm like, bro, give me a cheeseburger, give me some French fries, like. Um, but breakfast food would probably just be like some. It, it, I mean, I can't say an omelet because I eat that every day. So, but maybe like. Some cereal bro like i i, yeah, I don't yeah. know like i'm I'm a, I'm a cheap date and uh you know maybe like a cheap meal uh you know be a little different but breakfast food like probably just like some cereal you know um or some you a shredded food. wheat type
0: of guys that were like
1: great nuts or are you like an actual cereal uh, that's I like, good uh, i mean i have a few like cereals um you know like captain crunch you know golden uh, whatever, golden, um,
0: golden, uh, grams,
1: golden grams, um, cocoa puffs. You know, I'm pretty open with cereal. Um, it just depends on my mood. Like, uh, when I'm not in like a meal plan type deal, I'll just get like seven different cereals. Be like, you know what, today I want Lucky Charms, today I want golden grams. You know what, fuck it, let's mix them. You know, uh, I'm not a huge breakfast dude, to be honest. Um, uh, I mean also like just going to McDonald's and getting a freaking breakfast burrito with a hash brown. I hear you. I'm with it, bro. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you.
0: Oh, well, last thing I got for you here is we wrap up. Obviously American Pro upcoming. What else can people expect from you here in the in the coming weeks, coming couple
1: months? <sighs> a busy busy year, man. I mean, so we just got um so we've been hosting the WRPF Nationals here at my gym. Um, there's only been two ever nationals. Yeah. It's a small fed. I started the first one. Um, 2021. Um, we had like a tested one and then we had a non-tested one. And then the second year I was like, you know what? Last year I was like, I want to do it all together. Right. Cause like you're tested. I'm non. we're friends. Let's do the same meet together verse bro. You want to go to Vegas twice. Right. Oh, I can't afford that. So And we just split it up in different days. And uh, for the second one this year, bro, we were able to have, like, 240 signups, which is, like, huge for a federation that's so small. Um, So we just signed contracts for the Westgate out here in Las Vegas, which is where USAPL Nats was. Um, We won't be in the same ballroom they were in, obviously. They did five platforms. We're doing one. But still just, you know, that's that that next step that we need to go that is – is potentially to, to just grow the federation, but more importantly, powerlifting. You know, like we can give our cool version um, because it's it's, it's going to be, it's not the American Pro, right? The American Pro, certain only certain lifters can go to that. You know what I mean? Based mm-hmm. off dots, you may never get to the American Pro. It just is what it is. But now we have that backup meet, right? Every big federation that is doing something worth talking about has a massive nationals right where you have four to 600 700 amount of lifters right that's what's growing like i want to be a national champion you know like um and that's what we're trying to do in this federation and just but give our version of it right you know like uspa does what they do and usapl does what they do so we want to give our best version of what um are are there too many federations bro i don't care about that like how many powerlifters are in the sport right now like We wouldn't be able to keep up if we only had one federation or.
0: Oh, we might've lost you here. Hold on. Folks, looks like we lost Micah right there. Kind of, he was wrapping up, uh, so we may splice this again with another audio clip. Uh, but if that doesn't work out, this was just, you know, a great conversation with Micah. Uh, if you love that episode, you are more than welcome to hit us up on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, anywhere else podcasts are streamed. Uh, and we'll see you next week with Andre Malanashev. We're good. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, so basically what I was just saying is uh, we we have WRPF Nationals tested and non-tested, uh, prime and open. So the open just means, dude, anyone can sign up. That's going to be the AM session. Um, it's three days. It's in September. It's at the Westgate. Uh, where, where USAPL Nats was, we have a smaller ballroom. They had five platforms. We're going to have one. Um, and then we also have the regionals um, for USAPL um, and then the American Pro. Um, it, it's just so much is going on and so many meets, so many events, gym, apparel. I mean, our, our apparel, we're doing drops every month. So, um, for fight or quit. So we're just pushing and pushing and pushing. And, and the cool thing is, is that we're just not stopping. And at, at this point, we're every, every month we're growing whatever we're doing, you know? So the goal is to continue to grow, maybe open up a bigger gym to have, you know, more, More space, more to touch more people, bro, and just keep continuing to build the powerlifting community. Um, We're the only powerlifting gym in Vegas that's only allows just powerlifters. Like we don't have bodybuilders, and it's nothing against that, but this is the sport we love. We want everyone who walks in to know when I'm setting up for a deadlift, I understand what the fuck is going on. Versus um, you know being at a cross crossover gym where it's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? No, no, no. Everyone knows what is going on in the gym, you know, which is why I think our 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 energy here is. We might not have the biggest gym or the best, you know. I mean, we have really good equipment, but um, as far as like accessory goes, we don't have the the big bodybuilding section. We we're, we're getting there, um, but the cool thing is is that we bought everything. You know, we didn't start with a company saying here use this. Like we we've paid for everything that we've we've earned everything that we have. You know. So it's, so it's a real cool feeling and just knowing that um, we're not stopping and uh, we're true to the sport and we want to continue to make it as cool as we can for every person that walks through the door. We literally dab up every person that walks in and when we leave, how you doing? Like, I, We know most of the members. It's getting to the point where we're growing so much that some days I'm like, yo, who are you? But that's not a bad problem.
0: Yeah, 100%. Well, folks, this has just been a great conversation uh, with Micah Marino. Obviously, a million and one good things uh, coming out of Vegas. So definitely stay tuned. Uh, Find him on Instagram. Just his name, Micah underscore Marino. If you want more from me, you can find me at Big Mo Powerlifting or Faith Fitness Podcast. You're also welcome if you want to watch us talk about this. You can take a look at us on YouTube as well. With that, folks, we will see you next week with Andre Milonichev. Well, folks, this was just a great conversation with Micah Marino. Like we said, you can find him on Instagram at Micah underscore Marino. If you love that episode and you're craving a little bit more from me, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere else that podcasts are streamed at Faith Fitness and French Toast. Or you can check out our new YouTube page, Faith Fitness Podcast. Or you can find us on Instagram at Faith underscore Fitness underscore Podcast and myself at Big Mo Powerlifting for full interviews, trailers, and more for season seven. We've got a brilliant guest list lined up for the rest of this season, with the likes of Kayler Woolham, Travis Rogers, Ian Daniel, and more. So don't forget to turn on your post notifications on Instagram and stay connected on your platform of choice to be the first to hear about guest announcements and early episode releases. With that, I'm Moses Allwood. Thanks, as always, for listening, and I'll see you next week with Andre Milanov.